If you could ask God anything, what would you ask? Life is full of big questions. In his brand new book, Will I Be Fat in Heaven? and Other Curious Questions, J. John answers 38 questions that we ask about God, the Bible, the world, and everything in between. How can God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit be one? Why do we believe the Bible is true? Will we recognize family and friends in heaven? And life's ultimate question, does God care about me? Get your copy now at canonjjohn.com. Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest on Facing the Canon is Simon Edwards, a Christian apologist. Simon Edwards, welcome to Facing the Canon. Oh, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you for coming. You were born in Australia, Simon. That's right, in uh, Brisbane, Queensland, where uh, as the uh, tourist advertising goes, it's beautiful one day and perfect the next. That's a great strap line, isn't it? And you've been there, I think. Oh, I've been there many times. We love Australia. So you know. We do. (laughs) Now, you grew up, sport was a big thing, I gather, for you. It was, yeah. I loved cricket, uh, tennis, rugby, athletics. I did some martial arts. It was probably the most important thing in my life, apart from my family. I I really loved it. Um, But um, it also meant that I ended up developing some problems with my knees in my teenage years, which uh, got me to thinking about life a little bit more. Yes, because you couldn't do, you had a knee injury and then you couldn't do the sport, which gave you more time at school. So what happened? Yeah, so basically um, I, I grew up in a family that didn't talk a lot about religion. It was, uh, you know, very happy, ordinary, but non-religious Australian home. Uh, it's not that um, talking about God or religion was taboo. It's just that for whatever reason, we never talked about it. We talked about sport a lot, actually, uh, particularly my dad. So uh, busy, active teenager, playing lots of sport. Around the age of 14, uh, eventually my knees start giving me all sorts of trouble. So uh, I go to the doctor. The doctor says, look, you've got to stop all sport. You've got a problem. It's called Osgood-Schlatter's disease. And if you don't stop, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. So you can imagine suddenly this busy, active, sporty 14-year-old. And suddenly I don't have uh, this activity keeping me busy all the time. Uh, And as a result, I just had all this time on my hands and it just really got me to thinking deeply about life, perhaps for the first time. And um, yeah, I can remember the moment uh, standing in the playground at lunchtime at school and the thought just occurred to me, you know, is it true that we just live for 80 or 90 years uh, and then we die and then we're dust and that's it? Um, everything so that the thought just came randomly to you? Yeah, yeah, I think... Looking back, I think it was a culmination of two things. One, the fact that I had a lot more time on my hands, which meant it forced me to think. And I think a lot of the reasons that we don't think as human beings is that we're distracted. We're so busy. So suddenly I'm not busy anymore. Secondly, I'm 14. It's like a midway point between childhood and adulthood. And I think that itself sort of forces you to think, you know, who am I? Who am I becoming? What is life all about? So I think those things just sort of coalesced into this moment where I'm just having this existential experience in the playground thinking, you know, where did I come from? Am I just here through this random unguided product of time and matter and chance and 
And as I said, do we just live 80 or 90 years and then we die and that's it and everything we've loved, everything we are, everything we've achieved just dissipates into nothingness. And I just thought to myself, if that's true, that's a sad story. And if I'm honest with myself, a meaningless one as well. And, and I remember thinking, it's sort of a little bit like a video game. I was into video games at the time as well. And uh, it's like a video game where no matter how well you play the game, uh, at the end, it's the same result every time, blank screen, you lose. And I think that sense of, wow, that feels so, so meaningless. Is that the true story? Is that the real story? It doesn't feel like the real story. For me, that was the beginning of trying to work out what life is actually at its core all about. So how were you then introduced to Jesus and Christianity? Well, uh, at that point, um, I was uh, forced to sit in religious education classes. Uh, and those classes were being delivered by uh, teachers who I don't think themselves were necessarily Christians. It's just that they had to do it. But because it was a nominally uh, Lutheran school by background, uh, they sort of followed the uh, Lutheran catechism as they went through the religious education. So basically, I was sitting in classes and I, I was hearing the Christian story for the first time. And although a lot of other people in the class found the class exceedingly boring, uh, for myself, I was like, oh, if this is true, this is a game changer. Because on the one hand, we're being told that, um, you know, we're all here by accident um, and there's no purpose to who we are. It's just lucky that we're here. On the other hand, I was hearing this story that, you're not here by accident. You're here on purpose because somebody, God, wanted you to be here. The deepest question I was trying to work out is what, what is real? What is true? Like, what is life foundationally about? Um, and I actually, so I actually, I have a theory that, we, that we, we generally fall into one of three categories as human beings. Some people are really asking the question, what is true? Some people are really asking the question, uh, what, is, what, is, what is good and what is beautiful? And some people are really asking the question, like, what just works? What just practically works? And I actually think as a Christian that all three questions are roots to coming to Jesus Christ, who himself is the way and the truth and, and life. But so for me, it was really much this question of what is reality? What is true? What is life all about? I need to know. Because on the one hand, I've got this sense of it seems meaningless, but that doesn't feel, re feel real. That doesn't instinctively feel like the right story. On the other hand, I've got this other story that feels true. The Christian one, the, that there's a God, that I'm not here by accident, I'm here on purpose. But I have no evidence or reason to believe that yet. So I need to check it out. So your curiosity led you to investigate. And then how did you encounter the truth? Yes. Yeah, so you can imagine when I was a kid at school, there was no internet. So I went to the library. Now, I was quite fortunate. It was a good school. So it was a library stacked with books on religion, philosophy, history. It had a section there on Christian apologetics. I didn't know what that was at the time. Um, and so I, I just started reading and I looked at Christianity. I looked at Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism, uh, atheism. Long story short, over a period of uh, months, I came to the intellectual conviction that Christian faith made far and away the best sense of the complexity 
of the world around me. I mean, the, um, the natural world, the natural universe, the fact that there is a universe here, this overwhelming impression of order and design, but also the world within me. In other words, my, the fact that we have consciousness as human beings, um, morality, uh, a mind, a propensity to worship, these spiritual longings, the fact that I was even wanting to figure out a sense of meaning for life. That itself was a huge clue. And Christian faith made sense of the world around me as well as the world within me. So I got to a point where I intellectually believed that Christian faith was true. So at that point, it was just a rational, cognitive thing. So can you remember a particular day because your heart was already warmed, now your mind got it. Yeah. Was there a particular moment or a day where you decided, I want to follow Jesus? Yeah, uh, there was. It, it was, um, I was, again, I'm in the school playground where all amazing things happen in my life, obviously. And uh, as I'm in the school playground, I, I see a Malaysian friend of mine that I know reading this little green booklet. I said, oh, what's that green booklet you're reading? So he says, he have it, he gives it to me and he walks away. I thought, oh, that's strange, okay. But what it was, was a, um, a little gospel tract. Uh, it was called The Four Spiritual Laws. I don't yes, know if you've ever come I across that one. Yes. So if you know it, you'll know that at the end, so I, I took this home and for me- it, well, And he just gave it to just you, gave it to me, away. walked away. He didn't no even, explanation, no. nothing, yeah. So, so who knows what was going on there, right? Yeah. Um, but maybe it was like an angel. <laughs> uh, you know, in retrospect, definitely the Lord's leading, I think. Yes. And uh, yeah, no, he definitely wasn't an angel. I can uh, vouch for that. But um, anyway, uh, so, I, so I take this thing home. It, it just crystallizes the gospel, sets it really cl- plainly for me. Everything that I've sort of l- learnt about Christianity, you know, God, God created the world. Sin has separated us from God. Jesus has bridged that gap, brought us back to God. The, we have a choice. Do we want to be, have that relationship with God or not? And it was presented to me at the end of that booklet with two pictures. Uh, on one side of the page was a throne. Yeah. I think you know this. I with with know self it. on the throne. On the other side was a, a, a throne, uh, self off the throne, uh, God on the throne, or Jesus, Jesus on the throne. And did I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life? Now, for me at that point, I did. Because not only had I come to believe that he was real, I'd, I'd fallen in love with him. Yes. Because over the journey, I'd come to realize just how much he loved me. So for me, it was in one sense, the easiest thing to do, not just uh, the intellectual thing, but I, I knew I wanted to. So I, I sincerely prayed that prayer uh, in my bedroom that evening uh, in the tract. And just when I did that, I just felt an incredible sense of peace. It wasn't uh, lightning and sparkles, but it's just a very deep peace, that sense that the most important decision that I can make in my life has been made. I'm with God for all eternity. Whatever comes from here, I'm in his hands. And the most important decision has been made. So, so, so that was for the moment for me. That was the beginning of the journey. But at that point, I, I didn't have any Christian fellowship. I didn't know any other Christians. So each uh, evening from there, I just read my little Red Gideon's Bible that I'd been given at the beginning of school. Uh, and I, I, 
I was thirsty, so I just read it every every evening, learning new things. Uh, I would read, for example, uh, you know, if uh, a man uh, uh, asks ask for, for your coat, give him your tunic as well. Ask you to walk a ask to walk a mile, walk two. So the next day at school, you know, someone would say, "Hey, uh, you, that looks like a nice sandwich. Could I have half of it?" And I'd say, so "I'd say, well, okay, Lord, so I'll give him the whole sandwich." You know, I was just trying to follow <laughs> live out imperfectly yes. what Jesus was teaching me through through his word. And it was quite an adventure. And then you then came to Oxford, you studied apologetics. And so you obviously had a, a thirst to understand more about how to communicate faith and how to answer objections to the Christian faith. Yes. Yeah, so I was always uh, having conversations with people at, at work and friends um, and uh, trying to help them see that, you know, Christian faith or, or that Christianity is uh, good news and true news. Um, but I realized in myself that I had a long way to go. I wasn't uh, as good at that as I thought I could be. I wanted to grow in that. And um, one, uh, one evening, uh, a friend from work actually said, oh, you need to hop onto the ABC, the channel on television. Uh, there's a show on native title, the area that I was working in at the time as a lawyer. You should, you, I think you'll be interested in it. So I, I went on the TV, but actually what was on the TV wasn't that. It was, um, if you know, Professor John Lennox yes. speaking uh, on a uh, program on the ABC, a sort of a Q&A program that, that, that happens regularly, uh, where they often speak on religious topics. But often the, um, the Christians who are on those shows don't sort of fare particularly well in that setting. But I saw uh, Professor Lennox on that show faring very well. He basically won over the audience with his, uh, with his credible answers, his winsomeness, his respect, yes. his gentleness. And I, something in me said, I want that in my life. I, I need a bit of that. Uh, and so when I discovered that he was involved in something in Oxford, I thought yes. I need to be uh, a part of that. I need Amazing. to study there. Yeah. Well, since then, you've been speaking, uh, teaching, and you've written this excellent book, Simon, The Sanity of Belief, Why Faith Makes Sense. So it, it was the insanity of belief. But <laughs> yes, so it looks like a, someone crossed the uh, iron Crossed it out, yeah. <laughs> so obviously, a lot of people do think uh, belief is insanity. Yes. Yeah, I famously, uh, I believe it was Richard Dawkins in his book, The God Delusion, uh, uh, affirmed the view that when one person suffers from a delusion, it's called insanity. Uh, when many people suffer from a delusion, it's called religion. Yeah. And as you know, uh, working on university campuses, uh, where I also find myself often, uh, you meet a lot of people who just assume because of things they've heard on TV or uh, learnt in the classroom or from university lecturers that Christian faith is, or, or just faith in God in general, is just irrational, outdated, completely irrelevant, uh, bordering on insanity. And so uh, what I try to do in the book is try to you know, I basically wrote that book for my younger 14-year-old self. Seriously? Yeah. So I imagine, I, I just thought, you know, when I was 14 years old, trying to work out what life is all about, skeptical by nature, but open-minded to truth, if it's presented with reason and evidence, um, what book would have really helped me in my journey at that stage? That's why I wrote the book. So I have in mind people who... Uh, just trying to work out what life is all about. They might have heard that Christian faith or belief in God is irrational, uh, irrelevant, or, or even immoral. 
Um, but um, I've, I wrote the book to help them see that um, Christian faith actually makes sense of the things that really matter to us as human beings. So having spent time, Simon, obviously looking at all the objections to the Christian faith, mm. and some of them are very challenging and complex, not easy to answer. Mm. Um, you are utterly convinced uh, that Christian faith makes sense today. Uh, abs- absolutely. Um, it, it, just think about this. We, we live in a, in a world um, that is remarkable. Um, there could have been nothing, yet there's something. And the something that we have uh, is incredible. There's the, the fact that right now um, the, the world is spinning at 1,000 miles an hour and, and, and moving sp- through space at 67,000 miles an hour, all these things are happening, right, for us to be alive. Um, we don't ask to be born into the world, and yet here we are, just thinking, feeling, wondering, imagining beings with consciousness, imagination. We've got music and mathematics, and, and we're, we're all searching for meaning and significance. What makes sense of all this? And it's not just Christian faith that's on trial. And this is something that Christians often don't realize. You, you feel like as a Christian, you're the one with this crazy uh, supernatural worldview uh, that the reasonable uh, people who don't go to church want you to try to make sense of how can you have this crazy view, where in fact, every worldview is on trial. Every worldview is called to give an account of how it best explains this marvelous world around us, as well as the marvelous world within us. And having investigated all the other alternatives available, I'm convinced that Christian faith makes far and away the best sense uh, of the world around us and the world within us, whether you're looking through the lens of science or history or philosophy or psychology. And then in addition to all that, I think the most uh, marvelous piece of evidence of all, if I can call it a piece of evidence, is encountering the living Lord Jesus Christ. For me, it was when I was reading the Bible, uh, it wasn't just that I was learning words and concepts. I was encountering a person. I was encountering Jesus. And for me, it was that experience of encountering him in the process of working out all these other things, like does the evidence stack up? He was the most powerful and compelling piece of evidence uh, of all. Uh, And I want other people to see that. And that's the journey of investigation. I try to take them on in the book, looking at things that matter to everyone, no matter who you are, things like meaning, uh, things like um, uh, value, things like uh, truth and love and hope in the midst of the reality of pain and suffering in the world and to try to help people to see that, that, that Jesus not only makes sense of why these things matter to us, that he is in himself the fulfillment of the quest to find these things that matter to us. And so that's the first half of the book. And then the second half of the book, um, I try to help people to see that not only is this good news and it makes sense, but if you ask all the tough questions, it still holds up. Um, So this good news is true news. You don't have to leave your brain at the door in order to believe it. In fact, Jesus would rather you bring your whole self to him because he wants you to love him with your whole person or your heart, your soul, your strength, as well as your mind. One of the things I really like about what you're saying, Simon, is is that it's head and heart. Uh, you you've studied it, and and as a result of that, you're convinced intellectually, uh, but your heart's been warmed, 
And so it's not just about, I know about Jesus. I actually know Jesus. Absolutely. And, and that's been your experience. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what, what I tell, what I, when I'm in conversation with people, you know, often they think, I can't be a Christian because I'm a person of science. Or I can't be a Christian because um, I'm a rational thinker. Uh, and they're, they're approaching everything from a very uh, cerebral point of view. And what I try to do is I try to help work them work through all the tough questions that they have about Christian faith. How does it stack? Does science point towards or away from? If we look at the historical evidence towards or away, philosophy towards or away. Okay, and we work through all that and we get to a point where um, there might be no longer any intellectual objections. But then the question I like to follow up with, okay, what is your heart telling you now? What is your heart saying to you in all of this? And, and often that's when the, the real person comes out, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I think when the Holy Spirit's at work and he's, he's doing something special. But often the Lord in the mysterious way in which he works, and I think it's the fact that he does want the whole person, he, he, he meets us where we're at. And I think that's what he calls us to do as Christians as well, is to try really hard to meet people where they're at with the questions that they have and to try really hard to put ourselves in the other person's shoes and to imagine what would it be like to have grown up in a culture where subliminally, subliminally you're being communicated that belief in God is irrational and irrelevant and immoral. Okay, so given that someone's grown up in that, we've got a lot of work to do to sort of meet them where they're at and journey with them from there. And, and it's sort of a process, I suppose, of trying to remove obstacles that stand in the way of that person just standing face to face with Jesus and, and the invitation of the gospel so that they can make that decision unencumbered for themselves. So in a sense, we're, we're, we're helping bring that to, to birth, God help, working through us in that evangelistic encounter. Does that make sense? Absolutely, totally. Uh, what would you say, Simon, to any of our viewers who are tuned in now, uh, who haven't made that decision to follow Christ? What, what encouragement would you give them? Uh, well, uh, for me, following Jesus was the most s sane, rational, and wonderful decision I ever made in my life. Uh, he anchored my life and he helped me make sense of the world around me in all its complexity, including the complexity of human relationships. Um, and if you are someone who has thought that to become a Christian would mean giving up a part of yourself, whether it's your intellect, whether it's a deeply held moral conviction, uh, whether it's relationships uh, in your life that are really important. My encouragement to you would be that in following Jesus, yes, there might be things that he asks you to give up, but what you receive in return will more than adequately compensate you for what you gave up and will in many cases make those things even more relevant and, and beautiful and whole in your life. So. If you've never seriously investigated or looked into Jesus Christ uh, as an adult, can I please encourage you to do that? Because you have absolutely nothing to lose, but everything to gain. 
And Simon, if there's our viewers, any viewers now, there's, they've been listening into our conversation and they're saying, well, actually, I, I would like to know Jesus and I would like to follow them, follow him today. Um, could you lead them in a prayer of commitment? Oh, I would love to. Yeah. Thank you. Well, if that's you uh, right now, uh, if you don't mind just uh, closing your eyes and uh, I'm just going to pray a prayer. And um, if the words of my prayer resonate with where you're at and your heart's desire to begin and take that first step towards a relationship with God, then just pray uh, along with me uh, as I as I pray these words. Let's close our eyes and let me pray. Dear God, thank you that I'm not here by accident. I'm here on purpose because you wanted me to be here. I'm sorry that I haven't always acknowledged you in my life. And I'm sorry for the wrong things that I've done in my life. Thank you that through Jesus Christ, you forgive me. Please come into my life and help me to follow you as my Lord and as my Saviour. And please fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live the life of love and the adventure of faith in you that you created me for. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, a prayer for you, Lord, we pray for every person that prayed that prayer with Simon. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I announce and I pronounce his forgiveness over you. May you know his cleansing. May you know his presence by his spirit. May you know his peace and may you know his protection as you now endeavour to build your life on Christ. And we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Simon, thanks for leading uh, our viewers to pray that prayer. What encouragement would you give those that did pray that prayer? Uh, the most wonderful thing that you can do is uh, connect yourself with Christian community, with other people who, like you, uh, have decided to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. And um, Christian community is wonderful. Uh, this is a family of brothers and sisters um, who you will know and share in relationship with for all eternity. And it is an adventure in itself, because one of the wonderful things about uh, church that I discovered is that unlike many um, social groups that you might be a part of, um, uh, so often the social groups that we connect with are, are really uh, insular or limited in their demographics because they, they normally revolve around uh, a, a shared interest and you sort of see very similar people there. But in church you see all sorts from all places but with this you know real um, um, divergence of, of people from all backgrounds and, 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 and all cultures, but this one beautiful unity and commonality, which is love for Jesus. And it's just a wonderful thing to be part of the church. And if you want to make sure that you grow uh, in your Christian faith, you need to be part of a church. Uh, you need to be in Christian community. Uh, it's much like the 
I'm sure J. John has told this illustration many times, but like the, the coal uh, on a piece of fire, you take it away from the other coals, it will grow dim. You need to be in close communion with other, um, other Christians. So please find a church that loves Jesus, is passionate for him, loves the Bible, and, um, and grow together with others in community. Simon, it's been a delight to have you on Facing the Canon. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight. Well, I hope that has inspired you. Uh, I really did find Simon's book very, very helpful. I think sometimes it's a bit like the, the bricks of the Christian faith come together, uh, but you need to cement them in. And um, I've, I've found that Simon's insights and the way that he clearly and concisely uh, explains things, helps cement those bricks together. Well, I hope your faith has been built up a little today. Thank you for joining us on Facing the Canon. Please join us again. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media. If you could ask God anything, what would you ask? Life is full of big questions. In his brand new book, Will I Be Fat in Heaven? and Other Curious Questions, J. John answers 38 questions that we ask about God, the Bible, the world, and everything in between. How can God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit be one? Why do we believe the Bible is true? Will we recognize family and friends in heaven? And life's ultimate question, does God care about me? Get your copy now at canonjjohn.com. <laughs>